You may be seated. I want you to get your Bibles. I want you to go to John, the 8th chapter, and the 2nd verse. How many of you sense the presence of the Lord here? John chapter 8 and verse number 32. I'll check on this later, but I keep hearing the name Sonia. And I want you to know that God's love is flowing very, very vigorously towards someone named Sonia. And God wants you, I don't know whether you're in the building or where you're watching online today, to know that he loves you in spite of you. And that he's going to cause for his revelation of his love to hit your life like it's never had before. John chapter 8 and verse number 2. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And the Bible says that, uh, verse 3, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Somebody say caught. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger as though... He did not hear. I want to minister a message this afternoon entitled, None of Your Business. Thank you so much. The story in John chapter 8 is a story that's similar to our, all of our stories, if we would be honest. That when we encountered God, we were all caught in the sum act. Caught in some type of situation, caught in some type of sin, caught into some type of thing. But in spite of us, God reached to us to pull us out of the thing we were caught in. Um, this story uh, begins and it's in the, in, in the temple courts and people are there listening to Jesus teach. The feast of the tabernacles has just come to an end, which meant there were great crowds that were still in Jerusalem. And as Jesus teaching... There's an interruption of his teaching, um, bringing this woman to Jesus in the midst of the ministry that he was releasing. This interruption was not for the help of this lady. It was not to be a support to her. But the idea of these men was to embarrass her and to bring shame upon her. Um, sadly, this is not an unfamiliar situation, and I don't want to say of just people in the church. I just want to say people, period. Because some of you, the reality is, some of the folks that tried to bring shame upon you weren't even necessarily church people. It was, it was unbelievers waiting for you to fall. Y'all don't want this. It was family members who are a little sick of you because you serve the Lord now. So every little mistake you make or every little mess up you have, they have something to say about you because they want you to live in shame. Don't look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Shame is real. 
It's a real thing. And many of us, as Dr. Chiquette was so uh, 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 prophetic in releasing earlier, have been blocked out of moments because of the fact that we do not feel like we should be in his presence. We don't feel like we have the right to serve him. We don't feel like we have the right to walk with him. We don't feel like we have the right to stand with him because the enemy and people have done a successful job of making us feel ashamed of our circumstances. Here's an important thing for you to understand. The scripture that says, all have sinned. All. Your mama. Yeah, I said it. Your mama. Your mama has sinned. Your granddaddy. Sweet granddaddy. He sinned too. Your favorite preachers. They sinned. The top intercessors of the world. They sin. The people that you send 1,000 checks to for prophecies. They sin. They sin. So if we are all sinned, we have all sinned, that puts us all on the same playing field. Which means nobody has the right to place shame on anybody. I don't care how long you've been saved. How much do you think you figured it out? How well you believe you know the Lord? How many days of the week you fast? How many times you pray? It doesn't matter what you've done and who you've been. You do not have the right to place shame on anyone. Shame doesn't, doesn't, I'm not just talking about believers. You don't place the shame on unbelievers. Shame should not be placed on anyone. Because I'm getting ahead of myself, but shame is connected to condemnation. And does God want to convict us? Yes, Holy Spirit does. And I've taught you before the difference, but if you're taking notes, I'm going to give it to you again. I want you to write this down. Conviction always has restoration involved. Conviction always has redemption. So for all of you, especially, you know, you prophetic people get on my nerves. Because you feel like you see something in somebody and you think it's the final say. Think about, but the thing about it is you barely read your Bible, so we know you're not seeing fully. We're not even trusting your prophetics. We then we get an understanding, we think we see something, and then we feel like it's final. You know, are there some things that God says and it's just complete, it's done? Yes. There's some sovereign words of God there's nothing we can do with. But what I, what I need you to understand, there are most things that we see in life that we come aware of. God, has, God desires to bring us, he always desires to bring us up out of a thing. I said it last week, God is never rooting at your demise. He's not, he's not, for, your, he's not for your losses. God always wants you to win. Even in the hard times, his idea for your life is winning. Even through what seems like losing circumstances, the plan of God for your life is for you to win. I need you to look at somebody next to you who looks a little bored already and tell them, I'm a winner. I don't need you just to say that prophetically. I need you to grab a hold of that. I hear you, Lord. Some of us, the reason why you can't even be faithful in church attendance is because that shame has come on you. I hear him. I hear the Lord. That you can't even come to church faithfully because you feel like you don't deserve to be in God's house. 
Could you imagine having a dad that you feel like you can't be in their space? Many of us are dealing with it. I was always in the room. I see it. I ain't even, I've never even heard about it like that until now in this moment. That, that many of us were like, you know what, I can't, I, I'm not coming this week because I did X, Y, and Z. But when did the church become a place where people who had it all together were supposed to come? People crack me up. They'd be like, I'm not coming to church. I'm sick. What we're doing is exposing our revelation of Jesus. We don't know Jesus as a healer. So we don't believe that if we come to his house, we can get healed. Y'all don't like what I'm saying to you. So then we're like, I'm going to stay home so I can get better. So the idea is medicine and sleep can do more than God. Y'all ain't saying amen. Because most of y'all done been there before. But Jesus wants you to know nothing should stop you from experiencing. Now, I understand. You got the bubble guts. I mean, we got a toilet back there. You just go in there. Bubble guts. Yes, I said it. Your stomach is bubbling and stuff is coming out. There is a bathroom in the back. If you need privacy, some of you don't know we have bathrooms across the parking lot close to kids ain't and you can be very private in what you got going on and then make your way back in nobody's gonna ever know the kids may know but we will never know <laughs> embarrassment and shame has stopped many of us from walking in purpose Because the enemy will want a moment to turn into a monument. And that's what's happened. You messed up. You were wrong for messing up. God was not pleased with the mess up. He's not okay with the mess up. But his grace is extended to you in the mess up. You messed up, but you're not a mess up. You failed, but you're not a failure. See, to be a failure means that I'm consistently that thing. See, you lie, but you don't have to be a liar. You slip around, but you don't got to be a hoe. That's, that's a consistent status. Are y'all in here today? The enemy boxes you in and tells you that you have to stay in the place of your mistake, your moment. But I believe the grace of God is flowing in this room today to pull a whole bunch of people out of these monuments and to let them be a moment that they're supposed to be. Let's get to our text today. I love this. And verse number three, it gets so interesting because the Bible begins to talk about how this woman, who they tried to put so much shame on, because I need you to understand this. The crowds were crazy. The crowds were crazy. We knew it was all about shame, right? Because they didn't wait till Jesus finished his message and then pulled him aside if you were really trying to help. Because some of you call yourself helping while you're telling everybody else's business. I'll say it for the people in the back because Ashley Green says so. I will say it that it is important 
that you realize without a shadow of a doubt that you cannot be in the position to think you're helping by passing around people's moments. Especially you people who say, you know, I got a prayer request. You're a prayer request lie. You know, we got to pray for Sister Susie. Because I saw her Insta stories, child. And she must have forgot that he was in the bed with her and she moved quick. And But I saw his hair. And if we pray, she'll come out. You have never even had a conversation with Susie. You have never even said hello to her. But you all of a sudden got a burden for prayer. They were not trying to help this lady. If so, they would have waited till the man's message was over. Brought them to, brought her to him and said, Jesus, this heaven need help. I mean, she is. She's a mess. We call her in the very act. But they waited while the crowds were swelling. That's what shame and embarrassment does. It takes private moments and makes them public. And I'm not talking about the public of community because some of you are going to miss it. People that are walking with you in community in the house of God, your spiritual leaders, they need to be aware so they can help you. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying public is when you're displaying it to people who can't help you once an ounce. Not, not an ounce. Are y'all in here today? I don't understand why some people take their mess to people who can't help you. How you taking your mess to the same people that's on the same drug as you? Whatever that drug is. I know they legalize weed. And you want to argue that it's good for you? I don't got time for it. So, I really don't have time for it. I don't care what you or the government of California say. I don't got time for it. Um, and y'all quiet here because there's about 20 real strong weed smokers in the building. Oh, you're in here. I know my church. I don't want you. I pray for you. You're in here. You, I mean, you, you take it in. Morning. Afternoon and dinner. You are a real smoker. I see you. You're not hiding. No condemnation, just the facts. Just facts. We had other issues. You might be a smoker. You're a liar. You know, it's, just, it's, it's in here. We all got stuff. But if you're smoking weed and you want to get out of smoking weed, you don't call the fellow weed head. I need to get out of this. Yeah, me too. No. You got to find somebody on the other side of it. All right, anyway. So, so they brought this lady, and they brought her because she was, she was caught in the midst of adultery, in the very act. Shame. I've been talking about this a lot, but shame originated in Genesis. Right? When, 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 when the serpent came to Eve, right, uh, pulled her in, um, they began to go somewhere and they, they tied fig leaves together after they had fallen in sin. Why? Because they were trying to cover up their nakedness because they were shameful of what they had done. Right? So shame always puts you into the posture of not seeking help but hiding the fact that you need help. 
Because I don't, I've been in church all, almost, I'll be 37 next month, Lord have mercy. No, not next month, July, I, August, I don't know. At some point, see my age, I'm getting old. Um, but in all 37 years of my life, almost 37, let me just hold on to 36. In all 36 years of my life, I've been in church. All 36. I've not been saved all 36, but I've been in church all 36 years of my life. One of the things that have hurt my heart is to see people want God, but can't get to him because Christians are standing in the way. Because we like to display, we put shame on people. Make people feel like they're less than because they're at a position. It's like y'all folks that's going off because Snoop made a gospel album. I mean, y'all just going off for no reason. I mean, just, who is he? I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Who are you? You just imagine you don't got the same level of influence, loser. Some of these gospel artists have been making albums for years. They ain't nowhere got nowhere near what this man of God done. Bless you. All right, moving on. Shame pronounces us guilty and deficient. I want you to write that down. Shame pronounces us guilty and deficient. That's why the, that's why the enemy wants you to feel that way. Because if you feel guilty, you will not fight because you've already lost. If you feel guilty, then you won't press in. This woman was being brought into a place of being shamed. And I know many of you have been fighting the noise in your head where the enemy has been trying to make you feel ashamed because of your errors, your issues, your situations, um, your weak points. The great, here's the thing about weakness is that weakness opens the door for the strength of God to come in. If I never had a weakness, I would never have a moment for God to make me strong. Here's the greater, greater travesty, however unnoticed, is that, yes, this woman did something un, uh, that was really, really not a great thing to do. But the thing about, in order for this thing to stick, for them to be able to stone her, according to the law of Moses, they had to have two witnesses. And the reason why the scripture says caught in the act is because in order for them to be able to be allowed by the religious leaders to actually stone her, they have to have had to see it. It couldn't have been a rumor. It couldn't have been an implication. They had to have seen it. Two witnesses had to have seen her in the very act, as the scripture says, of getting it. Doing the nasty. Um, So the question is, first question is, 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 is why did these guys, why, why were they looking around in windows? You didn't just have a porn problem when I have no, I'm not judging anybody who's ever had a porn problem because God delivered me from porn. So let me say that before I say this. But, but you didn't just have a porn problem when you had a porn buddy.
y'all watching this thing together. And you have watched them, and you have to watch for a while to make sure that you caught them in the act. You stayed there for a minute and thought that you were worthy then to come and expose her while you were sitting there enjoying it. Let me talk about this for a minute. Some of us are too, we got too much time on our hand. You got too much time on your hand. That you have time to look in other people's windows. Y'all don't want this today. You, you got too much time on your hand while you got time to be a peeking Tom into the windows of others' lives. Now, I'm not talking about community because some of y'all who don't like community, you're going to hear it from a dysfunctionality, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about people who are really trying not to help and are trying to bring shame and trying to bring bad things on people on purpose, not trying to help people. Some of us who are trying to bring shame upon people, you have too much time on your hand. To be peeking in my window, talking about what's going on in my bed. What are the odds that this was a coincidence? This wasn't a coincidence. They didn't just, uh, what are the odds that they just walked by, heard some noise, and went to go investigate? I really want y'all, y'all don't read the Bible right, that's why y'all don't enjoy it. What are, what, are, what, are the, what are the chances? This thing was a planned out thing, I believe. To seek and bring shame to this woman. Let's talk about this part. Who were these men? These men who were watching her were religious leaders of the day. Religion always wants to bring shame and condemnation. Man-made rules and ways of doing things. And, and I get it. You know, they had been raised up in the law of Moses. They wanted to enforce it, but not realizing that the fulfillment of the law was standing in front of them. That Jesus himself, he said, I come to fulfill all things. And while Jesus was standing there, they're trying to fight for the defense to kill this woman. When this woman's victory was standing in the person of Jesus in front of her. Don't allow for messed up people to make you feel like your mess ups block you from God. So this woman, she, 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 she's caught and these men, these men are the religiously, they're educated, they have high moral standards, they know in and out supposedly the law. But here's the thing, they were also hypocrites. When you study the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these fools was hypocrites. They were sitting in pompous uh, attitudes, feeling like they were uh, worthy to be able to stand in these places. They were full of pride. And pride will always drive you to point the finger at somebody else. Pride will always have you at a place where you're trying to see the mess up in another individual. Write this down. If it's not being ran by love, it's not God at all. So what do you mean, Apostle? I'm saying check your motives, man. If your, if your motives are not being ran by love, which always includes restoration, 
God's not involved. <laughs> amen for the couple of amens in the room. Verse 5. Let's go to verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 5. Now Moses, in the law of the commandments, said that she should be stoned. But they said, but what, what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. So I don't have time for this, but I just dropped this right here. They were not only there to accuse this woman, they were trying to bring shame upon Jesus. Religion always tries to cancel out the power of Jesus. Religion doesn't like power. Religion likes law and letter. Did you hear what I said to you? Religion loves law and letter. It refuses to embrace power and love. Right? So a powerless gospel is not the gospel at all, number one. Yeah, I said it. If, if, if the gospel does not include the power of God, if the gospel does not include God's ability to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, I don't know what you're talking about because that's not the gospel. Jesus didn't just come to save my soul. He came to deliver me. He came to heal me. He came to set me free. It is all inclusive in my salvation. Look at somebody and say, the gospel has power. Not only power, but it operates in love. Am I helping anybody in here today? So these guys, full of pride, pointing the finger. Not operating in love, not operating through the power of God. Trying to pull this woman down and trying to cancel out the ministry of Jesus. Okay? What they knew, and why they're trying to test him, and you can study for yourself later, but they knew in order for this to stick as well, not only did two witnesses have to have catched him, but they were supposed to bring the man and the woman. Because men in their culture, I'm going to get there in a minute, in their culture was really seen as the leaders. So what they were trying to do is to catch Jesus, really catch him off guard. And to bring them to them and be like, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle this? So the, the, the best thing at that moment, again, was not only to cancel what Jesus was doing, but to bring this lady to a place of being stuck in her mess ups and her mistakes. Here's the other question. As I already hinted on. What was the dude? Where, where was he? I'm not going to today. What, 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 where, where was he? What, 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 where was this man? Because he was caught in the act. So why did you let him go? But you brought her. Was he your pal? Maybe you had some inside information, and that's how you ended up catching them? I don't know. I'm just saying. So they go, and they bring her, but they leave him. Let me tell you what shame always wants to do. It wants to isolate you. Shame always wants to make you feel as if you're the only one. And even sometimes that some people, because they worship harder or they serve God in a particular way, like somehow God moves his love to forgive them faster to them than you. Y'all don't want to keep it real in here. The idea is to make you feel as if 
that you're not important, that you don't count to God, that you don't matter, and it puts you into a position of accusation. Where the enemy accuses you and puts you into a place where you feel stuck and isolated. Here's what I got to give you today. Let me get out of your hair. You're not the only one. Is that helping anybody in here today? I don't care what you did. You are not the only one. I don't care how long you did it. You are not the only one. I don't care what the sin was, how long you had been in it, what was involved in it. You are not the only one. And whatever the sin is and whatever the situation is, you are not too far from the arm of God. Some of y'all can't even say amen in here because what you're saying, which many of you are thinking is like, Apostle, you don't know my sin. I hear you. I get it conceptually, Apostle Sherman. But you don't know my mess up. I, I get it, but you don't know how long I did what I did. You don't understand about so God was calling me, speaking to me, giving me direction, and I was totally ignoring him. And guess what? He's there for you too. It doesn't, it, it, uh, you, you're like, you don't understand, Apostle. I was sleeping around with 20 men at the same time. I don't know how you managed that, but let me tell you this. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. Please look at somebody who look real religious like they don't like this and tell them it doesn't matter. You've been, you have been making stuff matter that doesn't matter to him at all. I'll prove it to you in scripture. Verse 6. So they said this testing him. They may have something of which to accuse him. But what did Jesus do? He stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though what? He did not hear. Jesus was unbothered. If you can imagine for a minute, these fools were probably hyped. Hypey, hypey. Come in there, yo. Jesus, you ain't going to do nothing about this. Jesus, you don't see this heifer. Jesus, you are not going to do nothing about her. Jesus, do you understand? We caught her in the act. That man bent over. I can't do it. My pants too tight. It started writing. <laughs> so there was some looser jeans or something. It started writing. <laughs> He started writing. We don't know what he wrote. Because it didn't matter what he wrote. The main point was that he was unbothered. He knew that you would be here in 2018. With the struggle that you had. With the accusations coming from the accuser of the brother and all his imps. He knew you would be in this particular year and that you would have a struggle in your heart that you didn't believe that God could use you because you had messed up. He knew without a shadow of a doubt that you have jacked up situations, you have messed up opportunities, and Jesus said, let me just show them. Let me send them a message all the way to 2018 to tell them I am unbothered. You are tripping about stuff God is not tripping about. You're wasting time on issues that God is done with. 
you will put yourself on pause, but I feel the Holy Ghost in here today. And the Lord wants to press the play button in your life. Did you hear what I said? he wants to press the play button in your life and to move you from where you are some of you have been stuck for 10 years you've been stuck 15, stuck 5, 2 years because whatever you have gone whatever religious people you have been around have made you feel like you're not worthy but the thing is there's nothing I could do to ever become worthy I'm worthy because he said so. <laughs> I'm lovable because that's what he says about me. Are y'all getting this today? Uh, so, so he, he y'all said, so he, 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 he got down and he began to write in the dirt as though he did not hear them. Here's what I love. If you were to study and really study out that word right, that word right is only used once in the New Testament, first of all. So Jesus was the only one that did this, which is unique in itself. <laughs> see, see, Jesus, the kind of level of unbotheredness that Jesus walks in, uh, uh, the, the, the level where God, where Jesus is so unbothered. Listen to me, nobody else matches how unbothered Jesus is. You, you know, your most loving person, you know, uh, 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 Mother Teresa, God bless her soul. She, as loving as she was with the people in Calgetta and whatever else she was, she, she, uh, uh, it's important, Cutter, Calcutta, Ghetto. Cal, Calgetta was the ghetto side of Calcutta. Y'all just didn't know. I got inside information. I'm well studied. You don't know. I'll get up. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That word right means doodle. I really wish you study for yourself. Go study. You don't believe me? Go study for yourself. Doodle. And if you understand doodling, doodling, so it could have not been a message at all. It could have not been a message at all. You know, one of the things that my wife does that annoys me I mean, is that we can be in a powerful moment. The glory can be moving. She's doodling. I mean, drawing flowers and stars. And I'm like, do you not see the devil is being cast out? People, men are being set free and you're doodling? It, it annoys the mess out of it. Now, it's her way of focusing. She's not being disrespectful. She's actually in the moment. That doodling thing is keeping her unbothered. Right? She's not getting emotionally moved while everybody else is acting in their emotions. She's actually taking it in. And she can give me a play-by-play -play of everything that happened in the service while the rest of us were screaming and we don't remember nothing. Because that's me. You know, I'm going to scream about it. And they'd be like, what happened? I don't know. I mean, God was there. God was there. He was in the room. That's all I know. Right? Jesus was so unbothered. This, unbothered, this man started doodling in the ground. What I need you to do whenever the devil comes for you, I want you to get a picture of Jesus doodling. 
The next time the devil tries to tell you you're not worthy, I want you to see Jesus in the sand, doodling, writing. Come on. He said, I'm on God. I'm drawing stars. Don't they say nothing. I'm drawing stars. I'm drawing flowers. I am so on Don't you let these people make you feel like Jesus is tripping. So the question is, sit down, y'all. The question is this. The question is this. Why are we bothered with the stuff God is not bothered about? I got to get out of here. This is why time with Jesus is so important. Because Jesus will transfer to you the ability to be unbothered. <laughs> Jesus will transfer to you. You get into prayer, tripping. Come on, y'all know you'll be tripping. Come on, talk to me. Flipping, about, about, flipping out about bills. God had already showed you before that he could do it. He done paid that same light bill about 20 times. And here you are, you got that red notice and you are flipping out. God, what we going to do, God? I don't know, Lord, have mercy. If you ever made a way, made a way. And Jesus is like, I did make a way last month, man. What are you talking about? Chill out. If you get into prayer, you'll become unbothered. One of the things that I realized the devil wanted to do to derail my year was to get me bothered. Mercy. Not just by my own sin, but by people. God wanted me, the enemy wanted me so the enemy wanted me so bothered that I would not pay attention to what was in my hand. You are so bothered, some of you, by your past, you can't move in your future. And you're just sitting there in your present. I forgot the Lord. The Lord said, I'm trying to move you, Sherman, but you're tripping about who was, what happened, and all this stuff when, you're, when your past is about to stop you from creating the best future of your life. You've got to become unbothered. What sin is it? I don't know. What mess up is it? I don't know. What, what, what decision you made that puts you in a place in the circumstance where you felt like this is over for me. God's not bothered. I got to move. Verse number seven. So when, when asking him, they continued to ask him. They were, so, they were like, this fool is doodling. <laughs> they was upset. So the Bible said they continued to ask him. He raised himself up and said, my favorite statement. My favorite statement. And it preaches all by itself. He, he, he raised up and said he, said, he said, he who is without sin, among, uh, without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. In other words, this is none of your business. In other words, this is none of your business. What I'm doing in her life 
how I'm managing her. It's not your business to come in and bring condemnation. It's not your business to come in and bring defeat. It's not your business to come in and hold her down. It's not your business to tell her she's not going to be successful. This is my daughter and let me say something to you that if you feel like that you have the right to get into the judgment seat with her, let me see you throw a stone. Why y'all tripping about these idiots who have stuff to say about you? But they cannot throw one stone. They can't throw nothing. They, they can't launch anything against you. Why? Because at the end of the day, there is messed up. And some of you, I hear the sound, and I know this is going to sound crazy. I hear the sound of somebody's nagging grandmother, and I'm not playing. I hear the sound of somebody's nagging grandmother. And there's somebody in this room who has been in defeat and been upset because your grandmother has been nagging you, has been on you and making you feel like you've been in defeat. But by the word of the Lord, let me say something to you today. God is telling you, I am moving you to being unbothered. I am moving you to getting into a place where you understand that I got you no matter what anybody else says about it I am unbothered I gotta get out your hair listen to me Jesus as they begin to talk about this he said without, whoever, whoever without sin throw the first stone verse 9 then those who heard it look at this being convicted by their conscience went out what beginning with the oldest to the least, the space started clearing out. When you begin to grab a hold of the revelation of being unbothered, people only, spirits only, antagonize those they can. When you start putting up a standard against these devils, they leave. When you put up a revelation up against these devils, that God is saying, you know what? There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. They leave. See, the situation is that we haven't been grabbing a hold of the revelation. We haven't been grabbing hold of the truth that God has placed in our lives that we have been called to operate in an unbothered state that Jesus was in. So he said, Bible says they were left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself, he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, and I love this, neither do I condemn you. Just stop there for a minute. Neither do I condemn you that word there means to decide you as guilty in other words God's saying I say you're not guilty God I did X Y and Z God says because of what I did on the cross I say you're not guilty God I messed up so bad you don't understand because of what I did I say you're not guilty. God, I, 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 I went this place with that person and I, I had all of these things. You're not guilty. God, 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 I, did, I disobeyed you. You told me to start the business and I ignored you. You're not guilty. Do you, do, is, is repentance still important? Yes, it is. 
Uh, uh, do, I, do, do I need to come into a place uh, of changing my mind in the different direction? Yes, you do. But because of his blood, you are not guilty. Now, I got to go, but what's hanging over your head today? Some of you have been walking with the Lord for 20 years. You've gotten over certain things, but then there's things still holding over your head. And God's saying, you're not guilty. And I'm unbothered by the thoughts that have been in your head. He said, what I want you to do is by the grace that I'm releasing to you, go and sin no more. That my love is so strong, my grace is so strong in you, that as you really grab a hold of this revelation, the thing that once had you before, the way you win over it, is by not returning to it. The, the, the way you went over it is by making the decision that you'll go in the next direction, another direction. Here's the question for you. What's over you? Lift your hands real quick. I, I bind the spirit of shame. I got to do this. If you're here and you've been struggling with this thing of shame, I want you to get to the altar real quick. I don't